Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the workshop on iPhone and uh, iPhone accessibility and apps. Uh, just to kind of get an idea of uh, what my audience is made of here, how many of you, by saying uh, I, uh, have iPhones? Wow, that's a lot of you. <laughs> okay, how many of you don't have iPhones? All right, so that's a good amount. All right, I like this. We're going to balance it out then. Okay, here, now here's a question to those who don't have iPhones. How many of you believe that an iPhone is not accessible to a blind person because it's, a, it's mainly a touchscreen interface? Okay, well, we're going to prove you, we're going to show you something today. Just to give a brief recap on the iPhone, uh, it came out in, originally in 2007, and the first two versions of it actually were not accessible. It didn't come with any uh, voiceover or magnification features at all, which I think is part of what uh, led this rumor to get started, gave it legs, if you will, that a blind person can't use a, a touchscreen device. Well, that, that certainly couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, back in 2009, uh, Apple released the iPhone 3GS, and that was the big game changer because that was the first one that came with voiceover accessibility as well as uh, zoom and magnification for those who are low vision and would rather use that interface. Now, prior to that, when you wanted an accessible phone, it meant you had to go and buy a smartphone. Then you had to go to a vendor of, of a screen reader app, like either Talks or MobileSpeak, to... Uh, buy a piece of software, then you have to install it yourself or get somebody to do it for you. And uh, that was certainly a usable feature. I, I particularly liked the Nokia and Tox combination. I thought that was really cool. But uh, it was not fun having to pay $300 more than everybody else had to for a phone. The iPhone was the first one to uh, change that because you pay, for the, you pay the same amount for the iPhone whether you use the accessibility or not, meaning that uh, you could, you, we are not free to go and, and be part of that madness that takes place when an iPhone comes out, wait in those long lines, camp out if we want. <laughs> we can do that, and we pay the same exact amount, not a penny more, and we walk out of that store having a phone that we can use just about as well as our sighted counterparts, and that is a big leap forward. So... Um, that's a little bit of history there with the uh, iPhone. Now, when you get a new iPhone, especially with the new iPhone 4S uh, or any phone that now has uh, iOS 5, one of the uh, big improvements in iOS 5, and by the way, uh, just uh, for the sake of, of uh, uh, fixing some confusion, iOS 5 is the operating system. Um, Apple kind of threw a curveball at us because everybody assumed that the next iPhone is going to be called the iPhone 5 because uh, the operating system is iOS 5, but that's not the case. Think of iOS 5 like the way you do Windows on a computer or uh, the uh, the Mac OS on a Mac. It's, it's an operating system. It gets updated periodically. And when they released iOS 5, one of the really neat things that they did was give us the ability to turn on voiceover right at the point where you're setting up the phone for the first time. So when you, uh, if you pre-order the phone and you get it by mail, you can uh, simply take the phone out of the box, turn it on, and as soon as it is up, you can tap the home button, which is the only physical button on the front face of the phone 
three times, and that will turn on voiceover. And from then on out, that becomes your toggle automatically turning to turn it on or off. So that is a really neat stuff because before you used to either have to have the salesperson or a sighted person do it for you, or you'd have to plug it into your computer and via iTunes you'd activate it. So that is a one really neat thing is that now we can do that. I was kind of hoping, and I'm, I'm, I still do hope that in maybe future versions, they'll make it so that you can just pick up any iOS device in the store, like on display, and just like you can on the Mac computer, hit a few keys and turn on the voice or turn on the magnification. I'd love to see that implemented where you just pick it up, and by default, any iOS device, you tap the home button three times and you'll get your voice. So let's hope that happens. Now... <laughs> Absolutely. And Apple so far has been pretty good about delivering on this stuff. They're also pretty good about uh, taking feedback from uh, users. So you're wondering, okay, so that's great. We have uh, speech on the phone. How's, how am I still going to use it? If I'm blind, I can't see that screen. Uh, what's going to happen if I touch something? Am I going to break the phone? Am I going to go into some weird mode? Am I going <laughs> to... Yeah, that's not the case because... Uh, the neat thing about voiceover is you can navigate around the screen and you don't have to worry about activating anything because you have to issue some other command to it as well. So I'll, I'll show by example here. 9-11. Slide to unlock. Phone. So I've unlocked my screen now. Can you, can you guys all hear that okay? Yeah. And I'm feeling around the screen here. Message, calendar, photo, camera. So you see, I'm touching all these things, but you notice that the apps are not launching. There are two ways to launch an app or to activate a, a, a button or something like that on the iPhone. Uh, the first one is where you touch it like this. Weather. So I touched weather. That is now activated. In a sense, it's highlighted. So it means that now it's waiting for me to do something. Uh, if I want to activate weather, I can now anywhere on the screen... Use a finger, a single finger, and tap two times. Weather, local weather, Culver City, local weather, Culver City, high 66 degrees Fahrenheit, low 52 degrees Fahrenheit, hourly weather available. Okay, so there you go. We got the weather app. Now, on the screen, we have several things that we can interact with. And this is where it's a little different from uh, uh, using a screen reader on computers is that uh, with the iPhone, you actually get a, a an idea of how the screen is laid out, which before was not available to us. Before, we just hit keys, tab this, or shift, enter that to, to activate a link or to do something. With this, you actually feel around the screen. And so I want to know what temperature it is. I've learned that it's sort of on the top right area of the screen. Culver City, currently 59 degrees, high 66, low 52 now, I know that if I move a little bit sort of uh, to the left and up, Currently cloudy. I can get the weather conditions. So um, you can feel around the screen and find different things. Sunday, partly cloudy, high 66 degrees Fahrenheit, low 52 degrees Fahrenheit. And if I run my finger down the screen. Monday, partly cloudy, Tuesday, clear and sunny, high So that's an idea. Fahrenheit. Now, that's one way to do it. <clears throat> Another way to uh, interact with links on a screen or, or elements on the screen is by doing swipes. Uh, taps and swipes are, are your two most important gestures to remember 
with using an iOS device. And it may sound a little overwhelming at first because you're going to think, how can I remember how many times to tap or how many fingers to swipe with? Trust me, within a week or so of using the device, these gestures are pretty intuitive and you start to just not even think about them. They just become natural to the way that you interact with the device. So it's very easy to memorize. You don't have a lot of uh, multiple keys to press and, and all that to, to make a device work. So another way that I interact with the screen. So let's say I want to f- go to the next element. I With one finger, I swipe to the right. Currently, 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Saturday, rain. High 66 Sunday, partly cloudy. High 66 Monday, partly cloudy. High Tuesday, clear and sunny. High 66 degrees Fahrenheit. Wait, what was it the day before? I can, now, if I want to find out what the element before was, I swipe back once. Monday, partly cloudy. High 66 degrees Sunday, partly cloudy. Saturday, Okay, so you'll recall that I said that there are two ways to activate elements, uh, buttons and links and such. I showed you the double tap method where you touch the uh, item, the icon that you want to launch, and then you double tap the screen. Now, there's another method called the split tap, which is my favorite way of doing it. It's where I'm using one finger to feel around the screen and find the element that I want. Okay, I found weather. I still have my finger on weather. Now with another finger, while I'm still positioned on weather, I tap anywhere on the screen. Culver City, currently 59 degrees, high 66, low 52. I find that to be much easier, at least for me, because uh, number one, um, I know which, which element I'm activating, and number two, it's just it's, it's faster. Uh, sometimes what happens is, and this is something to get used to with touchscreen devices, Everybody, if you could kind of keep it down for the benefit of those who actually want to hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Hence the reason you came here. You touch and then you split tap. So what's something that can happen when you're feeling around the screen is that then, let's say, for example, you accidentally brush something else. So if I touch weather, let me close that out. So if I touch weather, but let's say while I'm deciding I'm going to double tap on that, I accidentally brush another part of the screen. So I brush another part of the screen. Now I accidentally touch the notes icon. Well, I don't want to activate the notes icon. I wanted weather. So this is why I like split tap, because with a finger on weather, now I just simply tap with another finger, and that opens up what I wanted. Um, one thing with the iPhone, as you start to download apps, you'll find that uh, you run out of space on your home pages. Each home page can only hold 16 apps or 16 icons. So uh, when you're like me and you have something like 114 apps in the phone, <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you'll, you'll start building up home screens. And you're wondering, okay, so how do I go from one to the other? Um, there's a gesture called the three-finger swipe. Uh, to the left or to the right. Um, kind of like as if you're reading a book. It's a very intuitive gesture. You know how when you're reading a book, you, you use a couple fingers, you grab the edge of the page, and you flip it to the left when you want to go to the next page? You do the same thing. Page 2 of 6. Reminders. Page 3 of 6. LAMTA folder. Page 4 of 6. Facely HD. And let's say I want to go back to the other page. Page three of six. I swipe to the right, and that turns a page back one. Now, if I want to get back to my home page real fast, let's say I'm really 
deep page, page, page six of into six. my pages Gosh, here. I'm on my sixth page. I want to get back to page one real fast. I could swipe back a bunch of times, or I could just press the home button. Home. Messages. That takes me back to the first screen. So that's a quick little uh, gesture. Uh, your taps. Uh, I showed you the one-finger tap, which is uh, d the double tap where you activate something. There are uh, other things where you tap with multiple, with different fingers. Uh, for example, one really neat little feature is uh, called the screen curtain. Uh, this is very handy if you're going to be uh, using the iPhone with voiceover. Uh, so this only works when you have voiceover running, just to let you know. Uh, people who don't use voiceover don't have access to this command. You can actually blank out your screen. So... If you're on the bus and let's say you're entering in some information that you don't want other people to see or you're texting with somebody and you don't want someone looking over your shoulder reading what you're writing, you take three fingers and you tap three times. So it's very easy. Three taps of three fingers. Screen curtain on. Now, the screen is completely blank. A sighted person can look at the screen and not see a thing. But a blind person can simply touch... Message, calendar, phone, camera, weather, notes. And you can still interact with your phone. You can still uh, type messages. You can bring up icons. You can check anything anything that you would normally be able to do with the screen on. Uh, you can do it with the screen blank. There are some who believe that this will help to save battery. And it might contribute a little bit, but it really actually is not a big battery saver because the truth is what really eats the battery on the iPhone is the the the, the capacitive screen, you're, you're touching it, and that screen has to remain live. And while it's live, that's using up energy, whether you're interacting with it or not. So the screen curtain is not necessarily a battery saver, but it's a privacy guard that works very nicely. And then, of course, to turn it back on, screen curtain off. you can turn the screen curtain off. And uh, now you've got your screen. Which comes in handy is say let's say you share your iOS device with sighted friends or family members, uh, they're going to want to see the screen. <laughs> Another thing you can do with, with the with the toggling voiceover that I mentioned, the, the triple tap of the home, you can turn that off. Voiceover off. Now with voiceover off, the phone behaves the way everybody's used to it behaving. You touch an icon and it launches right away. So, again, if you're sharing this phone with somebody who's uh, sighted and obviously doesn't want to have to deal with the extra like, layers of complexity to operate voiceover, you can just do that and hand them the phone. And then when they're done, you just take it back and triple tap the home key. Voiceover on. Messages. And it's back. <laughs> you are good to go. Some other useful uh, gestures. Um, when you're reading uh, something... Let's say you want to hear a list of all the icons on the screen, but you don't want to flick around or, or feel around for each one. There's a command that you can use, kind of like the equivalent of the say all command in JAWS. So let's say I touch, I touch the messages icon, which is the first one at the top of the screen. Now, if I take two fingers and I swipe down, like, you know, from top to bottom or across the screen. Messages. Calendar. Saturday, November 12th. Photos, it's reading camera, without YouTube, me touching the screen. Folder, nine apps, Facebook, six new items, weather. Notes, so let's say I find YouTube an icon folder, that I want. Nine apps, radio I take the same two fingers, I tap once. That stops voiceover from speaking, and it holds exactly in that position that I was in. 
So you can, let's say I wanted that folder that I stopped, I stopped on. I can just simply double tap. Radio. And there's my folder with all my radio apps. And that's another neat thing with this is you can, what I've done, remember how I told you I have 114 or whatever apps? Uh, I have them broke, categorized into folders. The way you do that, it's a, it's a little complicated, but you can actually, um, one of the gestures that you do with the voiceover is called the pass-through gesture. It's where you double tap and hold. So what you do is like you tap twice, but you hold the second tap. So it's still two taps, but it holds. So let's say I want to play with, move one of these items in the folder. 5-0 radio. 1,010 wins. Okay. So if I want to do something with this icon, like to move it, I double tap and hold. Moving 1,010 wins. So now I can drag on that screen if I want to. The main thing you want to do with a folder is, let's say maybe you want to take an app out of a folder. This is where if I drag this icon somewhere, it'll take it out of there. I don't want to do that, so I'm going to press home to deactivate that mode. And now I just close that folder. So uh, if you're going to move icons around the screen, let's say you want to move something from one page to another, there are ways to do it. The same thing, you, you would double tap and hold, and then while you're holding, you drag the icon to the left or to the right edge, and then you'll hear like a little beep sound, and that means you're on the next page. Now, you, it takes a little time to get used to that because it can go fast. What I recommend doing, uh, which makes it easier, is uh, there's, there's a part of the screen at the bottom known as the dock. The dock remains constant no matter what page you're on. So let's see, I'm on page one right now, but in my dock I have things like... Mail. Mail, phone, phone, Safari, next boss, and that's a an app that I use quite frequently, so I always wanted in my dock. So let's say I switch Facebook to another page. Items. Page two of six reminders. Page L A M T A Facely HD. Okay, so I'm on another page now, but if I feel toward the bottom, mail, phone, Safari, next boss. Those icons are still there, and you can move things in and out of that dock just like the same way you you would move your apps around. So uh, what I recommend doing, what I do, when I want to move something, let's say I want to move something from page 6 to page 3. What I'll do is I'll take one of the icons out of my dock onto a page where there's space, and now there's only three things in that dock. So now I'll go to the page where the icon that I want to move is located. I'll find it. I'll activate it. Then I'll double tap and hold it, and while I'm holding, I'll drag it down to the dock, and it'll let you know that it's in the dock and what position it's in. Then you let go. Then once you've done that, you on the pages, you swipe to the page that you want to move it to. Then while you're on that page, you kind of figure out where on that page you want to put it by feeling around, feeling where's an empty position. Then you would uh, go back to your dock, find that icon that you want to move, double tap and hold it. Till it says moving, whatever the name of the icon is, and then you drag it up toward the part of the page that you want to put it in, and you let go, and voila, you've now moved apps around. Um, the way that you create folders is that you, let's say, like with me, that you heard I had a radio folder. So if I've got a couple of apps on a page that are radio related, what I'll do is I'll drag one of the, I'll do that double tap and hold on the one that I want to move. I'll drag it to this position where another radio app is located. So let's say I have uh, Utunes, which is my favorite radio app, and I want to bunch it in with, say, iHeartRadio. 
So I would simply, I would drag it over to where, where the iHeartRadio is, and it'll say on top of iHeartRadio. I let go, and instantly a folder is now created. And it tries to name what the thing is. So it may very well name it radio because it'll notice that those are radio apps. But if you don't like the name that it shows, you're in an open edit field now. And you can simply uh, delete over those characters that are there and use the on-screen keyboard to type in whatever you want that folder to be called. And when you're done that, you press home. And that puts it back into the normal mode. And uh, you've now created a folder. Now let's say you've got another radio app that you want to include with uh, iHeartRadio and Utunes. Let's say you have TuneIn Radio. So now you, you take TuneIn Radio, double tap and hold, drag it till it says on top of or on radio folder, let it go, and now the icon is now within that radio folder. That's a few of the, uh, the, the voiceover gestures. How to use the phone. You notice that there was an icon on the bottom of my doctor called phone. So I go to the phone icon. Safari, phone. Phone, blank phone number. Okay, so there's no phone number in there. Now let me mention, uh, before I get into this, that there are two ways of entering text when you're doing voiceover. There is the standard typing, which is where you use uh, the split tap or double tap methods that I talked about before. Or there's something called touch typing, which is the one that I prefer to use because uh, it's, again, less steps. So let's say I want to dial a number. Maybe I want to call access services, <laughs> number that I'm sure you're all familiar with. Let's say I'm feeling around the screen. Eight. So I found eight. Now with touch, with touch typing, once you found the icon, the number that you want, you let go of, the, you let, you release your, you put your finger on the screen, find the icon you want. Then when you find the one that you want, you let go of it. Eight. And you hear the it did the touch tone and it said eight. So now let me feel around. Zero. 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 So you see. Eight. 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 Three. Three. One. One. Two. Two. Nine. Nine. Five. Five. So you see how much faster that is? Because if you use the standard typing, you have to find it and then again either hold it and then tap another part of the screen to enter that number, or let go of it and then double tap the screen to enter it. So um, touch typing is, is a good mode. And for those who want to know how to switch on touch typing or switch between the modes, uh, in an open edit field, so let's say like a text message edit field or, or the spotlight search, any, any kind of edit field that you find yourself in, and when that field is active, you, uh, you do this uh, gesture known as the rotor. Have, have you all heard of the rotor? Okay. A rotor is where you're simulating that the, you, you know what a, what a knob is, where you're turning a knob with two fingers or a rotor kind of knob. Okay, so you, you're doing the same thing but virtually. You put two fingers on the screen anywhere. So I have it in the middle of the screen. Now, as I simulate, like as I, I pretend I'm turning a knob. Volume. Language. Characters, word, headings. You see that all those choices I'm getting? Speech rate. So let's say I stop at speech rate. I can change the speed that voiceover speaks now by simply f uh, flicking up or down with one finger. So I can go. Facebook, 35%. Oops, see, I lost focus. Remember how I told you sometimes you touch the screen? <laughs> Volume, speech rate. Okay, so now if I flick up. 40%, 45%, 50%. Or I can slow it back down. 
So anytime I flick up and down now on that screen, that is the uh, the choice that's live. So I recommend once you set your speech rate to maybe do that rotor motion again and volume, language, characters, words. So I have it set to words so that I can flick around uh, if I swipe up and down. Facebook six new items. So you can do like that. Items new six Facebook. By flicking down, you're going forward. By flicking up, you're going backwards. So, uh, is that uh, does that uh, help with the question about the phone? Wait, wait, hold on. I want to make sure I, I answered his phone concern. <laughs> there are, uh, I mean, there's a lot of these gestures. I um, one of the things that you can do with voiceover, by the way, is there's a practice area where you could practice these gestures without having to worry about doing anything. But just to answer real quick, you use things like taps. Uh, a two-finger double tap, for example, uh, will answer a call. It'll end a call. Um, if you want to send someone to voicemail while the phone's ringing, neat little shortcut I found is you press the power button twice. Once will mute the ringer. The second time sends a caller to voicemail. So he wants to know if you have a contact in your contact list and you want to call without having to interact too much with the screen can you ask the phone to make a call yes you can and siri has actually enhanced this uh, i was going to talk about siri next actually so uh, that brings me right uh, into that siri of course is a uh, voice activation uh, the iphone had the ability to voice dial even before siri but uh, siri has kind of taken it to a whole different level uh, because now you can actually ask it to do certain functions. You can also sit there and ask it a bunch of silly questions, which is fun to do. <laughs> but as you heard in the beginning, I set a timer to remind me when to start wrapping up. Before, I would have to go into the clock app. I'd have to go into the timer. I'd have to use the, the different uh, picker things to, to set the minutes or however long I wanted it to be, and, and then hit enter. Now, with, with Siri, I just asked it, remind me that it's time to start wrapping up at 9.45. And she heard me. She repeated back what I said. Uh, she recognizes speech pretty well. I'm very impressed. I, I'm normally, to be honest, not a big fan of speaking to things. I've always preferred to interact with buttons or something a little more uh, concrete. But uh, Siri does that pretty well. Uh, you can ask Siri uh, things like, let's say you want to know where you are. You're a little lost or you just want to have an idea of where you are maybe by the address. Let's ask Siri. And let's hope she works, because sometimes she gets into these weird modes. Siri is still a beta product, by the way, so it still can have glitches. <laughs> so let's see. Where am I? Where am I? Here's your current location. Okay, so it brings up a map. And you're thinking, how's that going to help me? Well, you touch the top of the map. Cephalvita BLVD. 6,107 Sepulveda BLVD. Call so it thinks we're at 6,107 Sepulveda. Now keep in mind we're inside a building. GPS accuracy is going to be severely compromised. But that's not too bad. I mean, at least you know that you know, Sepulveda is the nearest big cross street to here. <laughs> so it uh, it didn't do too bad narrowing that down. So um, wait, I'm going to ask maybe that we hold off the question so we get toward the end of the presentation so that I can kind of get through some things. So if you can kind of hold it there for a second. 
Um, another thing, really neat thing you can do with Siri is let's say you're hungry and you want to find a particular kind of restaurant. You can ask Siri, let's see, what should we ask her for today? So we want Mexican food. All right. Carne asada sounds great. I want some. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. What are my nearest Mexican restaurants? You said, what are my nearest Mexican restaurants? I found a number of Mexican restaurants fairly close to you. I found a number of Mexican restaurants fairly close to you. Sepulveda Boulevard. Cilantro Fresh Mexican Grill. Six reviews. 0 0.1 miles. Okay, so it's very close. It's less than a tenth of a mile away. Um, I can go down this list. South Sepulveda Boulevard. Viva Fresh Mexican Grill. Oh, Viva Fresh. I like that place. I've eaten there. Miles. So let's say I want to find out more about Viva Fresh. I can double tap that. Maps. Viva Fresh Mexican Grill. Now it brings up a map. And again, this could be a little tricky of an interface to interact with, but it's doable. Dismiss pop-up. Nova Mexican Grill. Cilantro Fresh. Current location. Rubio's Fresh. Chili Verde. Ruby, El Super, El Palo, Peeps Taco, Tequiria, El Abaginal. Because it's showing Oz, things on the map. Campos Top, Viva Fresh, more info, Viva Fresh Mexican, more info. Okay, there we go. I want that more info button right next to Viva Fresh because that's the one we chose. Info, map, back button. So now I can feel around the screen. Phone, plus, one, three, one, zero, three, three, eight. Nine, one, five, three. Great, I can call them if I want to. Or let's say I just want to find out where they are. Address, 6515 South Sepulveda Boulevard. So it's at 6515 Sepulveda Boulevard. United States. So now you can tell Access where to take you when you want to go to that restaurant. Directions to here. Or you can walk. You can also... Directions from here. You can get directions from here. Directions to here. Directions to here. Directions from here. Add to contacts. You can add button. it to your contacts. Share location. Add to bookmarks. You can share it with somebody. You can add to bookmarks. Report a problem. By using the iPhone's map uh, program, which is okay. It's uh, I, I think the iPhone map program could be a little better. But uh, this kind of gives you a really good idea, at least of what's near you and how to get to it reasonably. I would recommend using other apps that actually do GPS, uh, you know, both orientational and navigational that, that do it a lot better. I'm going to hopefully get to those as well. So there you go. That's uh, that's Siri. Uh, let's see what the next thing I want to show you guys. Okay, the camera. Some of you are thinking, why would a blind person care about a camera? Actually, there's a lot of good reasons why a blind person should care about a camera. Um, not the least of which is to take pictures. And you're thinking, okay, how's a blind person going to take pictures? Well, one of the new things introduced into iOS 5, and I think actually they're going to build on it and make it better, but for starters, you can point this camera, and once you've turned on the grid view in the camera, I can point, and it will actually find faces for me. So let's try it. Let's let's try it out. I launch the camera. Now here it's going to be a little difficult because there's so many faces. We don't want to break the camera now, do we? <laughs> All right. Someone from the front row, could you step up here for a second? I just want to show. Yeah, come up here. All right. Yeah, come on. Come on. I can't think of a better person. Come on. I want to take a picture of Juanita. Okay. So let's, 
Let me focus around. This might be kind of hard. I'm not sure if the mic's going to pick this up. So, okay, I've got, I've got it. It, to, it told me that it's, it told me it sees a large face. Now, just to, just, just to explain that, just, just to explain that, that tells me, what that's telling me is that she's very close to the camera. Okay. If I back away, it'll say small face. Okay, so smile. I've now taken a picture of Juanita successfully going by the voice instructions in this camera. So it's pretty cool. Yes, you can sit down. Thank you so much. <laughs> and now I've got a picture of you. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm going to tag her. <laughs> okay. Um, there's more There's more that you can do with this camera besides take pictures. You can use certain apps um, that uh, perform certain things. One of the things that I like to do with the iPhone, I can use certain apps that recognize money. Now, one of the things about the iPhone is that you can use it for more than just phone calling and playing with neat apps. It can also replace a lot of the gadgets that we've had to carry around with us for so long. And one of the really neat apps is called the LookTel Money Reader. This app is so awesome because all it does is read money. There's no buttons to interact with. It's just plain and simple. Every so often, I, I belong to the VI phone list, and it's so cool. Uh, it's a great resource for information if you want to learn and talk to people about iPhones. Somebody will come up and say, I downloaded the LookTel Money Reader, but it's not working. I think, I think VoiceOver, this app is not accessible. And somebody always has to respond, it is accessible. It, there's no buttons on the screen. There's nothing to interact with. You launch the app, and you hold it six, about six to eight inches away from money, and it identifies it just like that. I mean, it, there's very little delay. It's just so quick. This is called the LookTel Money Reader. It's a VI phone list. If you go into Google, Google Groups, you type in V-I-P-H-O-N-E, you'll find it. And you can sign up. It's you have to request to be invited, and they have to invite you on, and all that. But it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great interactive list. There's a now the LookTel Money Identifier. You know some of these apps do cost money, but just to give you an idea, the new version of LookTel it went up in price. It's now I think nine ninety five. Used to be like two ninety five, but it now recognizes euros, Canadian currency, and I think Australian, and they're adding more. So uh, the original one was just U.S. currency. But still, remember remember that not too long ago, in fact, a year ago, we were all hot to trot about the I-bill, which cost $99. So this costs a, a tenth of what that cost, and it's it's one less gadget you have to carry because you, you keep your phone with you. So there it is. There is, by the way, a free app as well that's sort of put up by the government called iNote, and it reads money as well. Uh, one advantage that it has is that it reads, it'll tell you if it's the front of the bill or the back of the bill. But that one you do have to interact with. There's buttons. So it just, it's a longer process. I like LookTel because it's just, it's quick and simple. It just, it does what it has to do. Now, another uh, neat thing to do with um, the camera is OCR, optical character recognition. Now, I will tell you that it is not uh, as good yet as the KNFB Reader Mobile. Part of that, I think, has to do – because the, the camera in the iPhone is a very good camera. I've heard lots of good things said about it. But Apple is a little controlling and doesn't allow developers full access to the camera engine. And I think that contributes to 
the lack of advancement that we've seen in OCR. But hopefully, you know, so maybe some things will change up there. You never know. But uh, there are some apps that, that do fairly decent job of OCR. The one that I find works best is called Prismo, P-R-I-Z-M-O. And you can use it to take a picture of text, and it'll convert it to speech. And there's Siri telling me that it's time to start wrapping up. Boy, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can do that. There's a free one called Say Text that works pretty decently. Not as good as Prismo, but, uh, you know, it's it's the right price. It's free, so it works pretty well. Now, um, real quickly, I want to tell you that you can also use this phone as a barcode scanner, which I use a lot when I go shopping to identify items. Since I do have, uh, I'm partially blind, so I do have some workable vision, and I find it much easier to look for barcodes on the iPhone screen than I do using a video magnifier to read print. So I use this now primarily when I go shopping for things. Also, I use, uh, well, the app that I use is called um, Digitize. Cost thirty dollars, and again, that sounds like a lot. But let me remind you that uh, similar items, I think, what is it called, the ID Mate, <laughs> or something like that, cost like twelve hundred dollars, and that is all that does is barcode scan. It doesn't do anything else. It's a bulky thing you have to carry with you, along with your phone and everything else that you need. So it's something to keep in mind. Uh, I also like to use the Amazon Shopper app. Uh, it has a lot of barcodes that it identifies. Plus. Uh, it's also helpful in stores where they price match. I do this all the time at Fry's because they price match Amazon. So I'll scan the barcode on something and find it cheaper on Amazon and then take it up there and say, can you price match? <laughs> the other nice thing that you can do is you can also read reviews right then and there. So let's say you're thinking about getting a new cordless phone, but you wonder, is this thing any good? You scan its barcode. And you can read the online reviews on Amazon, whether people liked it, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it. It's like having this at your fingertips. It's like having somebody right there next to you who can give you information. And oftentimes, especially in places like Fry's, it's hard to find people who actually know their product and can tell you or who or can be trusted to tell you and not just try to sell you something. So this is a great thing. You have access to all these online reviews. For GPS, people asked about that Uh there's two types of GPS. There's what's called orientational GPS and uh, navigational GPS. Orientational is to tell you where you are. And for that, I recommend the Sendero Lookaround app. It's only $5. Uh, there's another app called Ariadne GPS that's really good for addresses. Sendero is good for intersections. Ariadne is great for addresses. It's spot on. And what's nice about Ariadne is that you, you turn on the monitor mode, and let's say you're walking down the street trying to find an address. You can turn this on and walk down the street just holding the phone, and you don't have to stop to interact with the screen. Every so often, you can set how often you want it to check your location. I think I have mine set to five seconds. So every five seconds, it's updating itself and telling me what's the address I'm standing in front of. So it really makes it a lot easier to find addresses. For uh, for uh, navigational GPS, I recommend Navigon. And normally it sells for about $50, but I've found it on sales uh, Black Friday is one that's coming up. So when I bought it last year, I got it for 29 So it's called Navigon, N-A-V-A-G-O-N. Those are some of the apps and things I wanted to talk to you about. Now I guess we can uh, take the uh, last remaining uh, minutes here to answer some questions. Yes, Ron? There's different apps you can use. One that I've actually found that's really cool is called Crackle. 
C-R-A-C-K-L-E. And you can actually stream a lot of old TV shows. For those of you who like TV land but hate what it turned into, <laughs> you can find some of your favorites on there. It's pretty cool, and it's free. You just need, of course, have to have a Wi-Fi connection. He wants to know about FaceTime. Uh, what, what, what about FaceTime? Yes, there are blind people using FaceTime, as, long, as well as Skype. Uh, they, these are apps you can use to sort of video conference with people, and they work very well. They're very accessible. Do I have a list of favorite apps? Well, some of the ones I mentioned <laughs> are my favorite apps. I don't have a list that I've put together, per se. You can always talk to me afterward. I'm going to be around. I'm also going to be presenting at the main event. And afterward, I'll be doing question and answer there. So, you know, I can uh, answer stuff. Or if you see me walking around as well, just grab me and say, hey, I want to know about this. <laughs> yes, you can. It's uh, If you're ready to copy. P like Paul. R like Robert. T like Tom. B like boy. L like Larry. Access, A-C-C-E-S-S, at gmail.com someone wants to know how good is siri picking up a voice in a crowded room it actually does okay i mean like any voice recognition uh the noisier the environment the harder it is uh, to get uh, accurate results but it does fairly well and the nice thing about siri is you don't have to speak robotically you don't have to be or yell at it you just speak in your normal tone and uh, she does pretty good about recognizing. I mean, you you, you heard me do it. I, I wasn't speaking any differently to her, and she heard what I said. Text messaging. Uh, there's several ways to... What's that? Siri can do text messaging. What you do, I mean, you can actually ask her, can you send the message to, especially if it's someone in your contact list, and and then say, I want to send the message to so-and-so, Masood. And she'll say, okay, uh, what would you like to say? And then you... you you speak to her what your text message is, then uh, you stop her, and then she'll read back, and then you can send it. And actually, in, in any edit field, with, I, with, uh, with the iPhone 4S, this is, this is one thing important, a distinction. With the iPhone 4S, in any text field, to the left of the space bar, there's a button called Dictate. And it's like having Dragon speak built into the operating system so you no longer have to have that app and jump between the app and do all these things to send a message you just hit that dictate button you speak what you want to say it'll populate the text field with what you said and if it's to your liking you just hit send or you you can use it to rename something or whatever it is you or to search basically anything that you type text into is as long as it it's has an edit field and has a dictate button you can use your voice to do it it's it's part of the OS, but again, this is with the 4S only. So even an iPhone 4 running iOS 5 does not have access to this. I did not bring any paperwork, however. I would recommend the VI phone list that I talked about earlier. It's a Google group. It's filled. There's over a thousand people on this list, and that's all that happens all day long, where people uh, ask questions, and we have new people to experts. And everybody's really friendly. Everybody answers questions. It's a great exchange of information. So you go to um, groups.google.com, I think it is, and you just type in VI phone, V-I-P-H-O-N-E, and it should bring up the VI phone list, and then you uh, register with it. Yes, someone recommends making a separate email for that list. I, I do. I actually have a separate email just for, for my various lists that I belong to because I don't like that cluttering up my personal email. So like you take a picture. He wants to know, I think he's asking about OCR apps. You're asking if there's an, an app that will take a picture of something converted to text? 
That's what you're asking? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, you could use this with any printed material. Uh, Prismo is a good app. Uh, Zoom Reader by AI Squared, the people who make Zoom text, they make one as well that does a decent job, but you have to play with it a little bit. And it's also twice the cost of Prismo. Prismo, I think, is $9.95. Zoom Reader is $19.95. But Zoom Reader also has a video magnifier that can be used by the low vision users. Okay. So then, then I would recommend Prismo. Uh, like I said, it, it's still, it's not as good. I mean, when I do side by side testing with my N82 running KNFB reader, it, it just, this hands down, it's still KNFB readers are a better product. But again, KNFB reader is a thousand dollars. Uh, Prismo is 995. <laughs> Big difference. Yeah, go ahead with the question, Masood. Yeah, how do you navigate, uh, using voiceover with the browser and the iPhone? Um, you can actually, the, that rotor function I described, when you're on the web page, you turn that rotor and you can select what element you want to navigate by, whether it's by link, whether it's by heading, uh, landmarks, that kind of thing. And once, once you selected that one by flicking up and down to the one that you want, then when you flick left, left and right with one finger, that's jumping ahead to the next instance of the element that you selected. Or you can just feel around the screen. Yeah, it takes a little getting used to. Like I said, this is a little different than what we're used to with a screen reader that has dedicated key, keypad commands and things like that. Uh, it just takes some time. You gotta give it time to really get used to the idea of now acquainting yourself with the actual layout of a page versus a list that's provided to you by a screen reader. Uh, yeah, go ahead. From what I understand, when you select, uh, let's say, you know how fun sometimes you'll go to a review page and you'll have several pages worth of that review? And you have to, you know, read a little bit. Then you have to hit the next one to go to the next page. Uh, reader, from what I understand, I haven't played with it, but from what I understand, it will actually do it all for you. It'll put it all into one document and read it to you continuously. Yeah. Yeah, but it just it just puts it for you, so you don't have to keep finding the next link. It just makes it a little easier. Okay, well, I'm gonna have to wrap things up here because the next workshop is gonna come in, and I don't want to hold them up. But like I said, uh, I will be around uh, throughout most of the day, and I'll also be giving a brief uh, a presentation at the Best in Tech uh, main presentation as well. And I'll be around afterward for questions and answers. So, And I don't have a workshop after this, so I'm, I'm happy to answer questions outside here if anybody wants. Thank you all for coming, and I hope that this was informative and helpful.